As easy as the touch of a button. The message of life on 657 AM. there with a beautiful song that I believe it has blessed you a lot through your boots and socks. That's Eya Eya. It's the title of the song. Bring us to exactly. Um, what time is it now? Nine minutes after six. Good evening and welcome to Eat Your um, Youth Day's version of Thursday Life with me, Godfrey Mwabi. Wow. I think it's for the very first time I get to host this show on a youth day, if my memory serves me well. But hey, anyway, I hope you're having a, you had a great time. You're still resting at home. I would like to know how uh, was your day. And of course, I know some of you took... I decided to add another extra day for tomorrow. So you are already on the long weekend, so enjoy every moment of it. And thanks once again that even though even though you are on a holiday, you still listening, you still listen to uh, Radio Puppet, your daily company. For that, I'm, I must say that uh, I'll forever be grateful that for, of all the stations that you can find in South Africa, you chose this one. And it's not just for tonight. I know that uh, some of you... Yeah, your listening span, I mean, goes way back to the time when the station started in 1981. So, yeah, you've been a loyal, loyal radio station. I mean, the, the listener of this radio station, you've been a loyal listener of this radio station um, for, 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 for a very, very long time. <laughs> Almost said forever. Well, it's 10 after 6. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Brad Charles uh, Van Onselen, for the great program that was... Um, Spectrum, yes. Thank you very much, Charles, for all that you have done. And please do drive safely uh, to your home. And, of course, if you are driving, if you are on your way um, from your different destinations, please drive safe. I pray that uh, uh, the Most High's hand uh, uh, be with you. Who's coughing now? Huh? <laughs> I hear some cough. Yeah, I hope that... Oh, I think I know who it is. <laughs> Rudy, are you the one coughing? I'm like, who's coughing now, man? I know I'm expecting a guest in the studio. I'm like, hey, has he already arrived? Sorry, uh, I put you on a PFL. That's why I could hear you call them, Rudy. But uh, uh, welcome to Rudy Puppet after a very long time. And by the way, that is uh, Bishop Silo Helepim. Rudy, welcome. You welcome. Welcome you with a cough this morning. Rudy. <laughs> Good. Uh, this evening, not uh, this evening, not this morning. Sorry about that. It, it, it is indeed a, a beautiful, cold Thursday evening, and uh, good evening to yourself, Maruti, and good evening to um, the wonderful radio public listener this evening. I must say, ever since you disappeared, Maruti, we had a lot of questions that needed the answers. Uh, the first one was the one of uh, uh, COVID-19. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, you left us, not necessarily left us, so Maruti, but you disappeared right when we were entering COVID-19, I mean, fifth wave of COVID-19. So we're a little bit unsure with regards to how severe will this one be. But here we are, you're going to have to give us all the information in during the ones that you could have given us. But anyway, because of time, we're not going to uh, punish you that that much, Muruti. We're just going to ask you to give us the information with regard to is South Africa over the fifth wave of COVID. If so, does it mean that the pandemic is receding and uh, what's the, uh, the possible future uh, look like? Let's start with COVID-19 for now. Muruti, thank you very much. Um, uh, indeed, South Africa is... Uh, safely on the other side of the feet wave. And uh, you will remember that um, uh, last year this time was the most devastating 
um, time for the pandemic in the history of South Africa. So we saw our numbers um, in this fifth wave um, rising sharply to over 10,000. And uh, within um, a very short space of time, we saw the numbers beginning to recede. Moruti, I can safely say that with a recovery rate of 97%, um, South Africa is already um, past the, um, the fifth wave. Um, what does it mean? This means, you know, we, we still have about 18,000 active cases. We still have daily deaths. Um, you know, which are putting us at, um, you know, 26 in the past 48 hours. We have lost 26 people to the pandemic. And um, South Africa has already administered over 36 million vaccine doses. And therefore, what has happened, what this means, it means there has not been any further mutations detected globally. You will realize that, um, you know, with every wave, Right at the tail end of that wave, a new mutation will then be picked up. But so far, we have not picked up any <clears throat> any further mutation, and that is actually um, some good news. That means we need to suppress it that far, including in the southern hemisphere, because the southern hemisphere is going through its winter. We are right at the beginning of our of our winter. We just need to keep it there. And uh, in South Africa, the two provinces with the high numbers hovering around 5,000, which in actual fact is not a great concern with a recovery rate of 97% is the Western Cape and KZN. Um, And you will remember that the KZN, Western Cape, this is where there have been incessant floods, incessant rains. And, um, you know, that in actual fact explains why a bit of 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 a spike in short, one could say, if one looks back, we have had 3.8 million South Africans uh, <clears throat> recovering from the pan- pandemic since the onset of the first case of the pandemic was reported in March 2020. Um, and uh, out of 3.8 million, there were 25 million tests which were conducted um, and 4 million tested positive. That gives us a positivity rate. When you look at the nation, it looks at the positivity rate of 8.5. And we are still sitting just above um, um, 100,000 South Africans who have sadly lost their lives. And unfortunately, these are, as I say, as I always say, these are somebody's father, somebody's mother, somebody's brother, somebody we know, somebody we're related to, somebody that uh, we're still missing. So there's about 101,000 um, deaths to date in the past in the past two years, and therefore one can safely say, with these numbers and the data that I've shared, that South Africa is actually um, uh, trending in the right direction, mm-hmm. and uh, COVID is beginning to to recede. As to how the the future looks like, Maruti, if we keep it this way and we keep the scientific research as vigilant as we had done during the COVID pandemic, um, I think the next challenge for us is to tackle HIV. Absolutely. Um, mm. Already there's work that is being done in terms of using the RNA, um, you know, the messenger DNA, to work at finding 
HIV vaccines mm. and even cures um, on, 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 on the HIV. It is very, very likely that because of this vaccine, in the next 10 to 15 years, there will finally be a cure for HIV. Thank you very much, Muruti, for those uh, encouraging news. Now let's go straight to our economy. Is South Africa economy recovering and at what pace, Muruti? And what are uh, the GDP's num- D- GDP numbers for the, for the first quarter? And how does that uh, also translate to uh, job creation? I was uh, listening. I didn't really listen, but uh, I went through the news, and it's like uh, um, the president encouraged the youth to play a major role, more especially in uh, yeah, um, what on what's that uh, technology and something like that. I don't know whether he he did promise uh, job creation for the young people or not, but I haven't really read uh, too much into it. But uh, I know that you have more information pertaining to that too. Uh, Muruti, you will remember in the past two years, <clears throat> it has always been my assertion that uh, um, our economy or the GDP growth in terms of our economy will be a V-shaped recovery. Many people were saying, no, it will be a dog leg. Um, and I said that in 2000, that, you know, my, 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 my uh, take is that it's going to be a V-shaped um, recovery in the first quarter of 2022. Um, uh, uh, we have actually firmly established ourselves into a V-shaped recovery, uh, meaning we are at the pre-COVID Levels. The first quarter GDP for this year, which was expected to be the worst, was actually positive. It was at 1.9%. Um, and this is despite manufacturing um, going, uh, sort of reducing manufacturing output going down by 7.8%. So that means there's still a lot of work there to be done. Um, mining output as well is down 14.9%, and one will understand that that's at the back of uh, gold, where there was a uh, long gold strike um, in the gold in the gold sector. And uh, as has, it, has it come to an end, Maruti? Has the strike it, come it, to an end? It has successfully come to an end, Maruti. That's good news. Um, we, we have also seen in April, and I'm not sure whether this is good or bad news, we have seen retail trade sales um, nudging up 3.4% during the month of April. So despite the inflationary concerns, because globally right now the headwinds that we are swimming against, the waves that are coming against us is inflation. There's huge inflation concerns globally. Um, as South Africa, we still have a concern with a, de- with a uh, debt-to-GDP ratio. Our economy is stabilizing. The interest rates, rights, uh, I mean heights, are a concern because we know that the policy of um, our central uh, bank is to use interest rates to target and to curb inflation. So we are likely to see a further interest rate um, hike. That will translate in the price of foods um, going up. And this, in actual fact, there are internal factors and mainly or hugely external factors. The conflict in, uh, in Ukraine, Russia, China, um, the Taiwan, America, and NATO, that is not receding. And therefore, we are going to see the, the price of foods 
continuing to go into an inflationary space. Um, the South African economy continues to carry the burden of unemployment. And Moruzi, let me just try and unpack this a little bit for you. Um, you know, those between the ages of 15 and 24, the unemployment rate is at close to about 64%. Um, when you go to 25 to 34, it reduces drastically to about 42%. What does that mean? That means we need to keep our young people um, longer and more in the um, institutions of higher learning. If you look at how some of the countries have tackled this, if you look at Australia, Australia is beginning to do, um, when you go into a, into a university, instead of doing one undergraduate um, degree, you come out with two undergraduate degrees and you come out with a diploma as well. So you may come, go in, um, do your B.Ed., and then um, do your BA accounting, um, and then do a diploma in something else, a diploma in medical something. What that does, it helps our youth so that there is no missing um, middle in terms of the youth, so that they are able to choose a variety of careers. But right now, the reason why we also have this huge burden of graduate unemployment it is because people get into universities by the time they graduate i mean right now we have a lot of um, civil engineers that are unemployed we've got a lot of electrical engineers that are unemployed while we have a problem um of of electricity in this country now for us to be able to tackle unemployment our universities need to come to the party and begin to help us mm. in making I think, sure that... I, I think the question is, Muruti, how will that help? Just because they um, have they come out of universities with uh, extra degrees and um, uh, masters and what have you, what are the, what are the guarantees uh, that uh, they will find jobs uh, immediately after they've stayed longer in universities? Uh, Moruti, chances, I mean, historically and from empirical evidence, the fact that when you come out of university, you don't come with one stream. The problem that we have of graduate unemployment, it is because people go into university to do civil engineering, and all that they can do is civil engineering. If you want them to go into the schools because we have a shortage of teachers, they can't even get into the schools and become teachers in the schools because they do not have the pedagogy the science of teaching. But if you go into university and you do your, your, your engineering studies, civil engineering, and you do education as a second degree, if you can't find a job, because right now, if you look at South Africa, how many teachers do we bring from Zimbabwe into this country? Because we have a shortage of teachers. That, that is the reality. We have a huge shortage of teachers. We but have others, a are saying, of others are saying, Murud, how can we have a shortage of teachers when we have a lot of unemployed teachers? Is it because of uh, the, uh, there's a lot of teachers that the are... Choice, the choice of subjects, Murud, the choice oh, of okay. subjects. It's obviously uh, math you know, and science, it, ne? You know, if, if we all go and do biblical studies, okay, and, you find, and, you, and you find that the curriculum, in actual fact, requires people who have done math, the sciences, the business, 
and innovation. Because right now, mm. tell me which school is a school of innovation. All right. A high school of mm. innovation. We okay. don't have those. Let's yeah. go to the next one, Muruti. Petrol price. Uh, are we going to see the 2500 litre soon? And what can we do as a country to counter this effect on, uh, on, on, on the poor? I also heard in the news um, the minister saying that uh, there are possibilities of importing crude oil uh, from Russia. Uh, Muruti, I think we should support the minister on that, uh, on that one. Um, uh, uh, you know, because, you know, there's uh, right now where, you know, we are the price takers in terms of crude oil. Um, you know, we, we spoke about petrodollars, um, in the past. And if you look at the sanctions, uh, oil from Russia is not part of the sanctions that, um, America and the rest of the NATO countries, um, have imposed. On um, on Russia, so that crude oil is there. It is available, and if we can lend that crude oil cheaper here, we should do that. That's number one. Number two, we must explore for oil and gas um, on on the South African shores. You know there is um, a probable reserves of oil and gas that are indicated um, in the Karoo, um, in offshore also. Um, along our shores, there's probable gas, there's probable oil. Namibia has found gas. South Africa, there at Antiniqua, Antiniqua we found gas, we found condensate. The Mozambique has got gas. Um, Angola has got oil, has got gas. Now, once we have our own petroleum resources, that will reduce our de- dependency on foreign oil. Because right now, we are depending on foreign oil and we are not able to cushion our economy. And therefore, we need to actually make sure that we do exploration and we do not waste time with the exploration. Um, you know, and, and, and the minister is correct that once we do that, we can then cushion our, our consumers um, against these whirlwinds, against these um, uh, um, headwinds that we face. Um, you know, unfortunately, you find that the debate um, on, 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 on hydrocarbons, on fossil fuels, on oil and gas, is actually polarized and uh, is very inimical to our progress. It's actually anti-progress. It's anti-industrialization. That is why if we continue to, 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 to say, look, let us not touch the reserves that God has given us, let's not touch the gas, let's not touch the oil, at the end of the day, we will continue to be the slaves of everybody else in the world. Muruti Siloheleppi, in closing, let's look at uh, the church. Is the church at the center of this economic recovery and uh, reconstruction debate? And uh, why not, Muruti? What should we be doing as the body of Christ except uh, fighting on social media about certain doctrine differences? Uh, Muruti, unfortunately, you know, the church is in a, in a very difficult position right now. Um, I think the church needs to come back. And, um, you know, when Christ went into the temple, he said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. The church is not championing the uh, cause of the poor. You know, now that we're talking about oil and gas, we're not hearing the voice of the church. We're not, I mean, right now, NGOs have moved into the space, the space that the church is mandated biblically to go into. 
so that the church can be able to say, we cannot afford the situation where the poor remains poor forever, where our country remains poor forever. And therefore, we will demand or want to see a situation and a future that is sustainable for our people. Because also, once our economy begins to thrive, once our economy begins to pump and do well, churches will then not be depending on uh, offerings and givings because churches will then be able to be sustainable themselves. But the church is not having that debate. And I think it is high time that the church should start having this kind of discussions to say, mm. where, if our economy is where it is, Maruti. what it is, mm. what, what will Christ do? Maruti, thank you very much. My number is 083. Yes. Double two nine, double two nine, five eight zero seven, five eight zero seven. Yes, yeah. Ramuruti Silhelebi, all the way from Western Area, right here on Radio Pulpit, your daily companion. Radio Pulpit's Facebook page makes you more a part of the station than ever before. Now you can give your opinion regarding our programs, or even contact your favorite presenter. You can get the latest news and existing programs, and communicate with other listeners. Come on, let your fingers do the talking on Radio Pulpit's Facebook page. It's interactive and dynamic. Just visit facebook.com forward slash Radio Pulpit.